So, welcome to this week's uh, episode of the Pinnacle Mindset uh, Show. Um, I'm the new presenter, James, and t- uh, today, as I was going to say tonight, but this afternoon, joining me is um, Sophie, um, who sort of works in depth with uh, mental health in sports. So, sort of introduce yourself, Sophie. <laughs> Yeah, so my name's Sophie Dodd, and I, yeah, I've been through my fair share of mental illness, um, and I basically set up a, well, it's now a company, and I set up a company that basically aims to make a change in sports. So from personal experience, I realised pretty quickly that coaches aren't trained in mental illness and if coaches aren't trained then how are the how are they meant to help their athletes so from my personal experience I've had so many different coaches I'm a swimmer um and I've had so many different coaches and not one of them's been trained in mental health first aid and I've gone through the good and the bad and the ugly with coaches and like I have to take my hat off to coaches because the amount of stuff they have to deal with that isn't really necessarily part of their role um, in the conventional sense is incredible. Um, So, yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. Um, So, obviously, introducing myself, um, I'm uh, just a postgraduate recently from university. However, I've worked a lot with different companies or uh, sort of governing bodies regarding uh, mental health. Um, I worked for Swindon Borough Council um, and worked in their active inclusion department, which wasn't necessarily aimed purely at mental health. However, um, it worked with a lot of guys that were vulnerable and were suffering with, not suffering, but had disabilities um, and and homeless people. Um, And it was all working with their mental health and trying to sort of prove and set forth that, you know, exercise, being healthy, being active and, you know, trying to give something for people to do to try and take take it away from their mental health. Um, but like, you know, linking to what you've you've just sort of said is a lot of it, we went into um, different sort of coaching environments, whether it would be um, schools, amateur sports clubs um, and different sort of teams and try and help coach, you know, their coaches um, into being sort of working positively with mental health and being able to not necessarily be somebody's therapist, but actually be able to see and indicate you know the key indicators for for mental health um another job that i did i worked for um oddballs um which is a testicular cancer charity however it's recently gone sort of massively widespread on trying to focus on men's mental health which you know mental health as a whole is massive but it's uh, recently a lot of sports sort of tried to focus on men's mental health and it's okay not to be okay and I, I like I I worked in that that side of things, which is something that, like I say, I've suffered suffered very sort of had serious mental health issues um, from being young um, through personal reasons, but also you know even something as silly as when I had a, I have had a major sports injury, and then that's uh, you know a cause for attention for me, and then me not trying to deal with that, just trying to be sport was my only thing. So I was like, right, well I'll just you know push through it and get back to it, which then ended up making it ten times worse for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, No, I just think it's so interesting the amount of people that I've spoken to from different sports. And that's kind of where the whole mental health in sport came about. Um, So originally I was kind of, I wanted to make a change in swimming because it became very apparent to me very quickly that swimming had a massive problem. And 
obviously I only realised that because I've been through depression, I've been through the anxiety, I've been through everything with yeah. swimming. Um, so that's kind of where my passion for making a change kind of came from. But then the more people I spoke to, like yourself, I kind of realised there was a massive problem in loads and loads of different sports. So I started speaking to cyclists, I started speaking to rugby players, I started speaking to athletes, I started speaking to cyclists, I started speaking to all these different people from different sports, and literally everybody said the same thing. And to me, governing bodies are doing their athletes and their coaches a disservice by not providing them with the adequate mental health first aid training. And I think that it's time that governing bodies start making a change because it shouldn't be on the coach to go and ask, how do I get mental health training? It shouldn't be on the coach to try and ask, how can I access or even how can I pay for the training towards mental health? Um, so that's kind of where my passion kind of came from through that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. My, my, I'd, uh, my passion came through from when I was playing um, from my university rugby team um, and we had um, sort of a lad that was real, had a real serious sort of mental, mental sort of health. He had a, basically had a breakdown and he decided to suddenly, he just left university, went home and nobody saw of him for, for months and months and months. And then since then he came back and he sort of went, I went home, I wasn't feeling well in myself. My mental health was, you know, I, got, I was suffering with really bad anxiety, depression. And at that point, that's when I reached out to different sort of places that I wanted to work for, because exactly what you say, it shouldn't be on a coach to go out and get stuff. But my, my argument as well to that is, that, that links that is, it shouldn't be on somebody having, suffering with mental health for a team, for then a governing body to say, I'm going to make a change. It yeah. should be somebody there. You know, my opinion is, you know, coaches will have to do their do first aid training and first aid at work training, but, you know, mental health is you know it's a, it is an illness and what why do we train people to you know to fix someone that's got oh no i've cut my knee or whatever but then it's okay for someone to be inside the head be you know really really suffering but people don't think sport is something that we relieve ourselves with it's something that like for as a sportsman compared to trying to explain it to somebody that doesn't do any sport sport is you know for me it's my relief it's why you know i look forward to and if if you're having someone that's suffering that badly that they, they can't even go to, to, to the thing that makes life for them, yeah. it, it's a difficult thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, like, how did your, with your mental health, how did it, how did that go from being something that affected you personally to how did it link into sort of sport? Um, and how, how did it affect you, you know, your sort of like your application to sport, your, you know, your achievements, etc. Yeah, so I was a national swimmer all through. I started swimming for a club when I was eight. So I kind of grew up whenever I was at school, I would go to training. I would be up at half four in the morning. I would go to training. I would go straight to school and then I'd go back to the pool and then I'd go to the gym afterwards. So yeah. for me, it was that constant hectic life that kind of led to, I, would, I don't want to say it led to me being anxious, it led to me de being depressed, but it definitely, I wouldn't say took its toll, but I think certain situations that I was put in as a swimmer made yeah. things a little bit worse. Um, I struggled with one particular coach who we just didn't click. And from that, I kind of 
almost felt like I was being bullied kind of thing. So that for me kind of triggered quite a lot of anxiety, particularly around performance. But because swimming had been who I was from such a young age, that drip fed into every other aspect of my life. So for me, I treated exams exactly the same way as I treated preparing for a race in the sense that I would plan how I was going to revise. I would specifically, like, I wouldn't do one specific type of training or revision. I would do different types. So my approach was very swimming related in every single bit of my life. So eventually when I started being really anxious around performing and racing in the pool that kind of drip fed into my exams and then that drip fed into everything and then from that it basically builded up um and I started working with a performance psychologist and I still work with him to this day because he's incredible um and he's going to be on one of the episodes coming up um and he basically just kind of took that like he put that performance anxiety into perspective but once that was taken away I then realized that there was a lot more than just performance anxiety so then I started to realize that I was actually I mean I it sounds stupid but I didn't realize that what I was having was panic attacks I didn't realize that what I was feeling wasn't normal um so from that it kind of drip fed into everything and like it's a bit like a snowball like you can't catch it um and then eventually it just kind of led into every aspect of my life and because of that one experience with that bad that one coach that we didn't necessarily click with it kind of led to me being very much like why am I here so that particular coach would always ask me why do you swim why why are you even swimming kind of thing um and then for me swimming was my identity it was who I was so then when that was kind of being asked me it kind of in my mind went into why are you here and then although that one little bit of comment didn't seem harmful the way that I interpreted it did um and I think that that's where my passion kind of comes along about coaches because they that particular coach probably didn't even realize how negatively that her coaching style affected me and then my next coach after that it was his first coaching role he had he was 22 when he took the coaching role and he had no training at all he was young he had no experience about mental health himself um and he basically had this swimmer who was one of the oldest members in the squad coming to him basically saying i don't want to be here And I think for him, it must have been really, really hard to deal with, um, especially without the training. Yeah, no, I I can, yeah, I can completely understand that. You know, I think it's, it's such a hard situation to, you know, especially I, I don't know personally, because I've never been in sort of like an individual kind of sport where, you know, when you're swimming, you know, a lot of the time it's just you in the pool. Yeah. Doing your thing kind of, kind of thing and you know whereas I've always found it with me personally when I was playing any sort of team sport that I've been involved in that you know you can tend to sort of hide away from things you don't tend to have you know unless you're doing something you've done something terrible you know in training or on the on the pitch in a game you don't tend to have a coach come down on you in the way way that you've sort of described which you know it, it must have been so disheartening for you 
And then on the on the flip side, you know, for that new coach coming in, you know, for him him to come in and be like, what what am I what what can I do? You know, it must have been so hard for you being you know. Definitely, it was hard for me as an athlete. It was hard for him as a coach, and it was hard for my parents as well. And I think that's why I kind of can take a step back and look at that and think it could have just took for him to say one thing differently and I might not be sat here today. And I think that that's so crazy that what we say to each other can have such an impact on the way that people actually are. And I think that this is why I'm so passionate that coaches need to have mental health some sort of awareness, even if it's not mental health first aid training, just in general, some sort of awareness, because even down to the language we use, mental health isn't the same as mental illness. Like the whole, my biggest pet peeve, and this has nothing, well, I mean, it's related to mental health, but my biggest pet peeve is when people say, the, they say commit suicide. And that's just my biggest pet peeve and I think it's because I'm a language student I'm very clued up on what people say um but commit you commit a crime and to me the language that's associated with mental illness in today's society it still needs to change and I think that that's one such small thing but the connotations that it has towards that are so big yeah, no, no, I completely agree. And I think linking to what you said about the way your coach spoke to you and, you know, he could have said one wrong thing and it could have been, you know, a cat, you know, a catastrophic sort of turn of events, really. But I think one thing that I, I my, one of my biggest pet peeves with coaching is that, like, people talk about sort of a millennial generation and that people are snowflakes and stuff like that. But it's nothing to do with that. The way the attitudes of life has changed and why view is is when you get like these these older coaches and they're older fashioned coaches and they and they still think that the coaching methods that they used twenty years ago are okay to use today. And my 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 attitude to that is and I've had lots of fallings out with coaches in rugby and gone, okay, but if you the attitude of how you coach, if you wanted to try to say that that's something that you can still use in today, use the tactics that you would have used twenty years ago, would that sustain in today's environment? You know, as a rugby player, watching the way that, that that sport particularly has changed in 15 years, since 20 years since it's been professionalised, has changed so dramatically. So why is your the way you try and coach and your attitude to coaching and the way you speak to people, it, it, you know, it, that's got to change as well. You know, I, I just find it, you know, you, you always get the same sort of people. There are, there are the kinds of people, I've played with them especially, they're the kind of people that if a coach shouts at him, it makes them more determined. But then you also get the kind of players like myself where I like I don't like that because uh, I'll end up coming to blows with somebody and we end up having an argument. I'd rather somebody, I'm an adult, I'm a human being, you know, you're my coach, you don't need to speak to me the way you do. If you try and explain something to me, it's the same way. Like, you know, I've had coaches where I've lost a lot of faith in a, one particular coach that I had and then the next coach that came in, I instantly just took a disliking to him because I just thought, you know, oh, here's another coach. And then the way that that person then spoke to me was so much better. But, you know, I got to a point where, and when that coach first came in, I was going to just quit. I was, and this was, I was only 16 years old and I nearly stepped away from 
all sport altogether and was just, you know what, I don't, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I think the way that you said it then, how the coaches speak, spoke to you, I think that's such a massive thing. And that's where it comes back to the training in mental health is that older, older coaches and naturally with older people, their attitudes on life and on mental health is so much different to a more educated sort of view. It's not a, it's not a case of it's who people are. For me, it's more of a, well, people aren't educated and it's more of an uneducated view as opposed to people being a nasty person. Definitely. I wouldn't you know? agree with that, totally. I think just in today's society, people don't realise what they're saying. And I do think it's because I'm a language student that I pay attention to words and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but people... It really frustrates me when people say stuff like, oh, it's so OCD or, um, or, um, oh, I had a breakdown. Like, what do you mean by that? Were you a bit down or did you have a breakdown kind of thing? And yeah. I think that in today's society, I don't want to say it's become too normal to be mentally ill, but I think it has gone a little bit in the direction of being a little bit too uh, blasé about the terminology around mental illness. I, I completely agree. And I was just, I was going to say that the, the, the thing is that the way that sort of generations have moved on prior to sort of when my parents, you know, that they're only sort of in their fifties, you know, mental health as a thing wasn't a thing. You weren't allowed to be, you know, you weren't, it was something yeah. that it, it, it's a simple fact and it's, me putting it plain and simple, you weren't allowed to have any form of mental health 50 odd years ago because that was just a generation. Whereas yeah. now, because people that are genuinely have got, you know, issues with their mental health, um, it's now become sort of too, like I say, blasé around it. People are going, you know, oh, I feel depressed. No, you don't feel depressed. You're just a little bit sad because yeah. something's gone wrong. Oh, I'm feeling a bit, you know, I'm feeling, oh, I'm so OCD about this. No, but you don't understand that OCD is a thing that, you know, really, really affects people, you know, and I, I, I completely agree. And I think it's now gone to a point where has it been taken sort of too far with people, you know, because it's been such widely accepted, which, you know, which granted it, it should be, but are now people sort of, uh, are there people that are using it sort of like as a little bit of an excuse kind of thing, you know, oh, I feel depressed. No, you know, it, it, it can it's such a touchy sort of ground really, isn't it? And that's where I think people that are genuinely suffering with suffering with their mental health or are feeling, you know, people that are having have got anxiety or are, are depressed. I think those are the kind of people that are then getting sort of lost in translation, really, because there are that many people that, you know, it's a case of who can shout the loudest. And people that I know for a fact that when I was, you know, when I had depression and anxiety, I didn't speak about it. I never wanted anyone to sort of hear about it. I would just try and... You know, some days I wouldn't get out of bed and then some days I would get out of bed. But yeah. you'd never talk about it. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I've always had the opinion that if someone's able to shout, shout off the rooftops about it, are they, you know, it, it, it's, it is a, such a sort of difficult situation for it, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those situations that you never fully understand unless you're in that person's situation. Yeah. And I think that it's so important just to try and understand... Um, where they're coming from because 
sometimes it may seem like it's attention seeking or in that way that people like to call mental illness but sometimes it's actually not so sometimes yes it maybe is attention seeking but maybe they just want a bit of love in their life um and i think that it's so important just to kind of um one of my favorite quotes is um everybody should be slow to anger quick to hear and slow to speak and i think that's so important in our lives that we just listen to each other rather than just try and talk over each other all the time um and i just think that that's something that people should really live by and especially in today's society people don't know how to communicate we live in like such a smartphone technology kind of thing yeah. i go home and my parents are on their phones and that's nothing against us as a family but that's just a way it is and I think that sometimes the media can make things a lot harder sometimes I think that the media gets a lot of blame but sometimes yeah. the media does make it a lot harder you know uh, there's something that has been sort of played on my mind recently was um, a lot of the protests that have been going on in America mm -hmm. and in terms of mental health one thing that's been massively um, sort of that not hasn't affected me, but it's really, really bothered me um, is I'm a massive American sports fan. I'm obsessed with basketball. I'm obsessed with American football. Um, and there was obviously the shooting that happened in America last week. And basically a lot of the players, the, the NFL um, is, I believe it's around 70% of the NFL players are, are black and 80% of NBA players are black. And though this is, you know, from an, a top athlete point of view, but a lot of these guys were sort of saying, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to play this week because you know, actions speak louder than words, kind of thing. And the amount of hate that I've been seeing all over social media, and that's something that me as as a randomer, you know, these guys that are posting this stuff on Facebook and Twitter are all American. They live thousands and thousands of miles away from me, and it's just sort of a case of, I think, as a society now with technology, just like you said linking to technology i think it's so easy to give hate out to people and that's something that's really bothered me is going so these people are wanting change and it's just and everyone's going about how we need to change and this that, and the other but then you're getting the people that are preaching going i'll never watch this sport again i'll never do this and i think that's where technology really does affect affect everybody because even at these sort of lower levels and um, you know i know not at that sort of level in american sports but like even in england you know, I know people that play for a, prem for, uh, for a premiership rugby team near me. And the amount of hate that I see on their posts of going, oh, this, this guy's this, this guy's that, he's a terrible player. And they're like atting these people on Twitter and you're going, you sat there thinking, but how would you like it if that was a person that came and watched you play rugby on a Saturday for your local club? And all you heard, not during the game, but after the game, all you heard was, oh, you're a load of rubbish, you're not very good. You know, it's, I think... Technology has been one of the biggest down, one biggest one of the biggest things for humankind, but has been arguably our biggest downfall. Just the way that hate can be transmitted and passed on so quickly, not just across, not just across sport, but across everything. And I think people need to sort of look a little bit closer to home with how they how they treat people. You know, Definitely, yeah, and I think that. How you treat other people reflects how you treat yourself as well. So yeah. I think if you're treating other people well, then chances are then you're going to treat yourself well as well. So one of one of 
the things that my therapist like when I went to therapy one of the things that hit home for me was um she said would you say the things that you say to yourself to somebody else and I said no no way um and I think that if people start treating other people well they'll start treating themselves well and if they start treating themselves well then they'll treat other people well and I think it just starts with the whole kind of loving nature of how you treat people including yourself you know so so uh, sort of one of the final sort of question for it is what you've obviously mentioned about the coaching side of things and how coaches need to be you know sort of wised up a little bit on mental health which I completely agree because it's not necessarily being able to, because I, I say the word here, you know, quotations, cure somebody because it can't be cured. It's something that, you know, but it, is it more of a case of like identifying and being yeah. able to identify signs and then be able to go, you know, try and offer a helping hand where, where possible or, you know, from, from what you've said, like how else do you think, you know, we can try and not necessarily conquer, but try and, you know, help with men- mental health, but, mental health but not as a whole but especially within sort of a sports environment regardless of whether it's amateur through to sort of a professional level yeah so for me the biggest thing is that a coach kind of can direct them in the right direction a coach is never going to be like you wouldn't expect a coach to be a physio so you wouldn't expect them to be a therapist either so i think that it's so important that like if a coach sees that someone's injured they're going to say go to a physio and they're going to say exactly where to go and i think that coaches should be doing that with mental health as well as physical health because everything affects the way that you perform and i think that the way that unfortunately sport is is governing bodies favor results over the person and the way that they're developing and like you see so much in the news at the moment especially i mean only recently niall wilson um talked about gymnastics the documentary athlete a on netflix everything's happening right now with people saying governing bodies need to change but the problem is governing bodies won't make a change unless you hand it to them saying this is exactly how you like it's it's very well and good saying you need to go and bake a cake but you'd be like well what type of cake how how do i bake a cake kind of thing you need to hand them a recipe and hand them the ingredients and say here go bake the cake and that's kind of what i want to do is like at the start of lockdown it was a little frustrating because i got no replies but i sent an email out to over 20 governing bodies in Scotland and got no responses but I wanted to try and help them create a general move in the right direction yes it was frustrating that I didn't get a response but in their defense they wouldn't have had people manning the emails as much and my emails probably just got lost but I do think that the governing bodies are where it all needs to start and until they start taking ownership for not just the athletes but also the coaches because for me there's no support for the coach as well so let's put it back into the situation where I went to my coach my coach has to basically be like a support network to me but who is there for his support network um and I think that that's the most important thing is that there's a support network for not just the athlete 
but the coach or the volunteer as well. And I think that that's one thing that needs to come from the governing bodies. No, like it's all very well and good. I sit sat here talking about there need to be a change, but at the end of the day, it comes from the top. And until UK sport as a whole changes their outlook, yeah. then it's not going to change. And I think that that's kind of the, the problem. And obviously the more that you talk about it, the more it encourages them to make a change, but it needs to be them at the end of the day. Do, do you think, you know, this is quite sort of like, not a very little question, quite an open question really. Do you think because of sort of governing bodies, not just necessarily at top with sort of Sport England, but across the board, do you think if there was a direct effect between uh, athletes from the top, from professional down, um, that, you know, were having issues with their mental health and the correlation of money, do you think then there would be a change? Or do you think it's more of a case of, you know, like for me, you know, like I see it from doing it within my degree, um, a lot of sporting organisations and governing bodies, it is, it's a business for them at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I look at it like if you're looking at, say, for example, a football team, if your best two players get injured through breaking their leg and your team doesn't win as many games, then that's directly going to affect the amount of money you're making. Do you think if it was a case of players were, you know, or not even players, but it was something was being addressed around mental health and it affected the money that was being brought in by clubs. Do you think that then would be more of a step up for it? Because the the advancement in um, sort of like physio, phys, like you know, physiotherapists and what have you, physios and what have you, has has advanced so much from sort of when you look at sport fifty odd years ago and they just have some you know guy that had a cigarette in his mouth on the sideline that just rub rub you with it, you know. A, you know a wet sort of flannel kind of thing on your leg and be like go and carry on to now but that's obviously because the amount of injuries and how technologies sort of developed around understanding injuries do you think that as we sort of go go further on people get more of an understanding around sort of mental health and the effects that it can have on athletes and when you know as we sort of I think we're going to develop more and more athletes are going to be coming out more and be more open and honest about it as they already are yeah. do you think that they're going to be more of an advancement in sort of sports teams governing bodies and sort of wanting to sort of grow mental health and try and be able to sort of like find better ways to deal with it because now you're noticing I'm noticing from seeing different sports teams that there's more um sort of you know you know therapists sort of kind of thing you know there have been more therapy and psychologists within sports camps and sports teams they're dealing with these top athletes do you think that then they'll eventually sort of sort of wind its way through down to the sort of the lower sort of leagues because at the minute you're only sort of seeing it at the top level you know with the sort of you see it like world football world cups and rugby world cups where they've got their own sort of psychologists there and now the lower leagues are going i've noticed from playing rugby that the lower down leagues you go you more people are getting sort of physios mm -hmm. that wouldn't have got five ten years ago but do you think then now there's going to be more sort of psychologists that are going to sort of come down into the lower lower sort of sports? So for me, I think that the signs in terms of the whole finance is there. I think that the amount of athletes that are coming out right now saying, I've had depression, I've self-harmed, I've been suicidal, even the amount of suicides in sport, the statistics are there. 
I think yeah. it's just whether or not they choose to look at them. You can physically see, if you want to call them injuries, already in the sense of the amount of athletes that are speaking about mental illness. And I think that at the end of the day, if an athlete is mentally unwell, they're not going to perform as well. So I think that, uh, I mean, yes, the UK sport is run like a business and governing bodies get more money based on the success in like the Olympics and events such as that. So I think that it's difficult because you can't directly say, oh, they've got a bad arm or they've gone for an operation or they've got concussion. But I do think that the signs are already there and I think that it is starting to change, but I still think it needs to change more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, the only reason I sort of say now I was going to link on to sort of this next sort of question. Do you think that, you know, you, you can see it from a lower level, like I know that a lot of sort of nobody's really back playing because of COVID. Yeah. Do you think that the, the situation has arisen with this worldwide pandemic that nobody was prepared for, prepared, prepared for nobody knew it was going to happen? Do you think that that's taken, you know, helped give it more of a kickstart because... You know, it got brought up at a government sort of level um, when coronavirus happened. Everyone was sort of saying, rather than everyone being in a lockdown, people were allowed to still go out and exercise because it yeah. benefited. Do you think that, you know, you, you're seeing it now where there's a lot of, maybe not in the UK, but I know for a fact that in the NBA in America, yeah. they're all in a, basically they're all in a bubble. So they're all, you yeah. know, they've been there since June. And if you get to the final, you're, you're, not, you're not allowed to leave until September. And these people have not seen any family. Yeah. For that length of time, do you think that you know teams are now taking more of a sort of a direct route with the correlation between you know what's mental health, exercise, healthy living, but not at a, a top level, but at a lower level? Do you think the coronavirus pandemic has helped give it a big kickstart and sort of being able to you know invest more in sort of exercise format? I think I think that that's a really important point to make and. I think that a lot of people have had a lot of time to reflect during lockdown and I think a lot of people have grown from it and I think that like I know for a fact that a lot of coaches that I've spoken to have said that they were more interested in mental health training now because they had more time to do it and I think that obviously that's an amazing thing that's come out of such a negative situation. And I think that there's always positives in a negative situation. I think that that is one of them. I think a lot of people have grown. I think a lot of people have adapted really well. Obviously at the start, everybody was kind of like, Oh my goodness, we need to go and buy a loo roll. We're not going to be able to blow our noses for the next like year, but we've all survived and come out the end of it. And I think that, a lot of people, yes, they will have struggled because a lot of people live on their own or like, or have struggled. I know my parents were worried about me during lockdown. They wanted me to go home. Um, and I think that in a general, I think overall, a lot of people have come out stronger from COVID. Yeah, that, that was sort of the thing that I was sort of getting at really was, do you think that for a lot of people um, that maybe were sort of, didn't have an understanding or were, didn't, you know, because there are a lot of people that don't have an understanding of their own mental health and don't have an understanding of why do I feel this way? Do you think that maybe 
you know, obviously you've answered the question now, but I was sort of suggesting towards a thing that uh, reflecting on lockdown, you know, I, I know for a fact that when um, the sort of coronavirus pandemic sort of first came about, um, I, I was expecting a three week lockdown and I'll be back at work. And, yeah. you know, and it, and I then was sort of like, it then carried on, carried on, carried on, to which I had to go get another job because, and even now, are we are we really fully out of a lockdown? You know, I think there's still obviously there's still a lot of things that are still there, and I think that no, I completely agree with everything that you've just said there. That I think that it's allowed for people to sort of give give a bit of a better understanding of themselves. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think I have a YouTube channel, so if you if if anybody listening really wants to go in and look at my mindset across lockdown and see the like highs and the lows then it's study and swim um but yeah so at the start of lockdown I was kind of like oh I'm still going to be training I'm still going to be racing I was supposed to be racing I was supposed to be doing my first international meet in May in Mallorca um and at the start of lockdown which was what March um I was like, yes, I'll still be going to Mallorca. I'll still be racing. I just need to keep fit for the next like month or so. And then I'll be back in the pool. And then it kind of got to three weeks later and we were like, okay, um, it's April now. And we're still in lockdown. And I was kind of like, am I going to be racing? So I think everybody's kind of been on this emotional roller coaster, but I think it makes us appreciate things a little bit more. Um, And I think that, going back to the pool I've adapted I've worked on so many more weaknesses that I would never have worked on if it hadn't have been that and I think that it's definitely benefited me and I think a lot of people have had that benefit as well um in that sense no I think even bringing it up to where we are sort of now I think that I think it was, I've always looked at the point of view, you know, not wanting to sort of talk about the dreaded, dreaded coronavirus too much is yeah. more, more of like, I've always looked at it as in, you know, we've, it's not like it's something that we've done as individuals. It's something that's everyone's, we've just had to do it all together. Yeah. Um, and it's been a real torrid sort of time. It's been not a great time. You know, I don't think anyone could come out and go, tell you what, I really enjoyed that coronavirus yeah. pandemic. Like that. But I think, I think that, it's the fact that we've all had to suffer, sort of, a lockdown, suffer, sort of thing, you know, suffer it together. We've all had to do it together. We've all had to deal with it. And, you know, the, you know, the great majority of us have all come out sort of on the other, have come out on the other side. And I think, you know, now it's more of a case of, you know, let's get back to sort of try and all stick together still and try and get back to some reality because, you know, it's it's such a it's a difficult time. Like for me, I you know you talk about the swimming. For me, I was made my university sort of rugby varsity squad for the first time since I've been at university, and um, it was my final year. It was sort of like right, this is it. I'm gonna be. You know, I'm gonna. I was basically I was adamant I'm gonna play. I was just coming back off an injury, so I was sort of like I'm gonna know, but I was putting so much effort into play. We was training six days a week, and two days before the squad got announced for the game, and then two weeks before the game. Um, we got Boris put us into lockdown. And that, for me, I was very lucky. I had my partner, um, Lottie, who, you know, really helped me through it. And we spent all the lockdown together and we've come out the other side. But, you know, th- that, if I'd have been on my own and I'd have been sort of single, and been, it would have been such a horrible time for me because 
for me at that one point, it's, it was that that varsity game was more important to me than completing my degree was at that at that point in time. I'd grown up my entire life wanting to play play rugby, and I never got to a point where I'd been. Do you know what? At seven years old, I'd never gone. I tell you what, I want to get a degree. Yeah. But at seven years old, I wanted to be a professional rugby player. So to be able to play in the biggest game of my life for my university and probably the biggest game of rugby I'll ever play in, um, to then that to be cut short, that really, really affected me. But like you said, now you're back in the pool. Now I'm back playing rugby. I've had so much time to sit. I've been watching so many sort of documentaries um, and watching film that I had of myself when I was playing to go, right, this is where I need to improve. And I think that that's where, you know, you can take sort of a, try and take a positive out of everything is that as an athlete it's been so hard and you know I know from from rugby week I'm going back to training tonight it's the first time we're about able to do contact since yeah since sort of before March but I think we've all got to take a sort of a positive spin on everything you know I would I would 100% agree with it I just for me personally it's been a really strange time so in March I sat down with my coach um, and we discussed the best time to reduce my medication. Um, so I've been on antidepressants for, I have no idea how long. Um, but we kind of sat down and we were like, right, it's going to be far enough away from that big meet and it's going to be perfect timing in terms of training. And I think it's really quite funny. The fact that I went into lockdown trying to reduce my meds with the hope that I wouldn't have to go back up. And I've actually halved. So I think that that shows the change in perspective that like me and a lot of people have had is that in a time where I should have been struggling a lot more, I've actually been doing better than I ever have. Um, And I think that it's been a massive time for personal growth for me, but also for a lot of people. I've spoken to loads of people who've been saying the exact same thing. And I think like it's been awful and I would never do it again. But... I can look back and say like it's had its purpose and I think that my mum always says everything happens for a reason and I I mean I'm a Christian so I believe in God and I think that like that we have a plan um so I do think that like I wouldn't be sat here today if it weren't for my depression so I am grateful for my depression and I think that it's so important to look at little things in that way and kind of realize that yeah it was pretty rough but it it made us like in this situation now um and I just think that it's been an incredible time of growth um and also a lot of struggles yeah no no I completely agree and sort of like as one of the sort of uh, as a last point to sort of try and wrap everything up I, I I I you know I can't personally sort of relate to sort of the Christianity kind of thing but you know I think for me someone that isn't religious this coronavirus has helped me find some form of faith mm-hmm. and regardless of whether it's sort of a religion or not but it's yeah. given me a faith that you know I I feel so lucky I was I was a nightclub doorman um, and I was working on the front door of one of the busiest nightclubs in Cheltenham during race week which mm-hmm. is one which what a lot of people say that why coronavirus spiked I was. I had over seven thousand. I came into contact with over seven thousand people during that week, and then since then I've worked in a hotel which has housed homeless people and vulnerable people, and we've had nearly a thousand people coming in and out through that door. And for me to be able to sit here today and sort of touching wood at the minute, um, that I haven't 
contracted any form of coronavirus. And I've managed to, you know, I thought I would be in a real dark place, but actually, do you know what? I feel, I feel so lucky and I've taken like the positive, positive things. And, and I, I believe that exactly what you say, everything happens for a reason. And there is a reason why I've made it through. And there's a reason why I'm here today. And there's a reason why, you know, and that's what I've, I've sort of woken up each day and sort of taken the positive out of it, you know, while I'm still here. You know, one, one major positive that I've taken is how, how nice the weather's been. Imagine having to deal with this in the middle of December. It'd have been, yeah. it'd have been the worst thing ever. You know, at least for the first couple of months when we was actually in a full-blown lockdown, it seemed like we was having a mini heat wave yeah. in March. You know, it's a mad thing. But I think that linking to what you said, I think it's everybody, you know, mental health is such a, a vast and massive thing. But, you know, it's a case of taking a little sort of positives, especially with the coronavirus. And it's hard not to talk about it because we're living in probably the, 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 the only and the biggest pandemic that we'll ever live, see in our lifetimes. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a generational thing that, you know, I've got a little baby on the way and I can't wait to, you know, 20 years time to be taking her out on her first night out at 18 years old and go, I tell you what, I couldn't go out for these for how many months and we was all having to wear masks and social distancing, having to remember to go into a supermarket and then getting all angry at yourself because you forgot your face mask because you left it in your car when you got to the front door of a shop, you know. Yeah. I think it's, we've got to take the positive out of everything. Um, yeah. It's a hard time, but, you know, you've got to laugh about the stuff. Like now, at first I used to get so angry at myself, I left my mask in my car. Yeah. Now I laugh about it because it's bloody tied around, my, tied around my, my keys, you know. So I think, you know, as sort of a final point, it's, it's a, you just got to try and stay as positive as we can during sort of tough times. Yeah, definitely. No, I 100% agree. Um, and I think, like, I always say, my uh, Instagram inbox is always open to anybody. Um, so, like, I'm 100%, if anybody needs to talk, then just definitely send a message. Um, in. Yeah. No, I, I'm the same. I'm the exact same. I'll do a little bit of a plug. So it's at James McIntosh Fitness. Uh, <laughs> If you want it, but for everybody that's listening, you know, I'm, I'm all ears. You know, I work nights at a hotel. I'm in the day. So if anybody ever feels like they need to, you know, give a message and just sort of someone to talk to that, that you know, that can be a random person, you know, I'm, I'm there to someone to listen to. Definitely, definitely. So, if you've plugged, I'm going to plug out Mental Health and Sports CIC. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just want to say, you know, real thank you for sort of coming on and, talking to me today it's my first I was real nervous my first time ever doing a podcast so I really really appreciate you know coming on um but I just want to say thank you for uh for doing sort of the interview really um and just for everybody that does listen to the podcast just remember to follow us on Facebook Spotify and YouTube it's uh, at the uh Pinnacle Mindset show um and uh, we'll see you next week for some uh, great guests and presenters that we've got on so thank you mm-hmm.